Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse podcast, the official podcast of FilmPulse.net. This is episode number 130. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today we have Kevin Rakestraw. How you doing, Kevin? I'm doing okay. Uh, this week on the show we'll be finally reviewing Richard Linkletter's Boyhood, as well as Abel Ferrara's latest Welcome to New York, and finally we'll be going over this week's movie predictions, new on video on demand, and DVD and Blu-ray releases. Uh, before we get into what we've been watching, I thought that... There's been a lot of... This week has been terrible. This has been a terrible week in the news. Yeah. Yeah. Since our, we recorded our last episode, uh, Robin Williams has passed away. Lauren Bacall Correct. has passed away. Uh, and then this whole situation, not movie related, but this whole situation in Ferguson, Missouri, has been taking place, which has been getting so little news coverage and i don't quite understand that have you been keeping up with this i was i was and then i had to stop because it makes me too sad i've been watching (laughs) i know that's like a terrible excuse but i've been watching it uh they've been doing live streams it's like the news the news outlets are not really covering this very much but uh, people have been doing live streams like pretty much every single night and it's been fascinating and appalling to watch all at the same time. I think it's it's definitely appalling uh, in the sense of like the first the first go around, like seeing pictures of tanks, <laughs> <clears throat> tanks and shit. Like number one, we really need to look into Ferguson's budget because <laughs> they have entirely too much money for the, their. They're militarized police force. (laughs) It's like, are you kidding me? It's just, it's so sad to see, you know, funding cut to education, like, everywhere. And then you see, uh, you know, the stockpile that these police forces have. It's, uh, some of... (laughs) And it's it's Ferguson. When you see the the pictures and the video, it's ridiculous. It, It is like an army of police. There's like mm-hmm. thousands of police there, and it's just like, holy crap, what is going on there? I mean, when you when you see some of the pictures and stuff, it doesn't even look like it's here in the United States. It looks like you're in a war zone somewhere. Yeah, and it's it's unbelievably appalling in the sense that it's just people like gathering, like they're not doing anything. Right, they're just they're just gathering, and we they bring tanks in, and they sh- and it's it's like if this was Black Friday. No one would think anything. Yeah. It's just it's you know. Yeah. There's more people gathered on Black Friday, and you don't see tanks. Yep, it's it's crazy. And uh, the video, there's a video of uh, Al Jazeera. They set up. Uh, they were going to do a live report, and the cops shot tear gas at the Al Jazeera people, and they arrested. There was a big when it, all this started happening. I think it was like the day after. The, the first big protest, uh, there was somebody from, uh, was it somebody from two, two journalists got arrested for, yeah, for no for reason. That. They were just in McDonald's. Sure. <laughs> they were just in McDonald's and they both got arrested. And oh, uh, I'm not really sure why that's happening. And I, I was watching the live stream last night because uh, the day before in a in a press conference, they said that they were no longer going to be using gas 
and I was watching the live stream last night, and sure enough, they launched so much gas at the people who were doing nothing wrong. They were just standing there. I. It's also like the Al Jazeera thing. You shoot tear gas at them, and then they run up and they like dismantle all their equipment mm-hmm. and stuff. Do they not understand that it's 2014? Like everyone has cell phones. Right. Everyone's taking video of them. It's oh my god. Yeah, I mean, I, I, the blatant disregard for people's First Amendment rights in this situation, I, I just can't understand. I can't wrap my head around it. And it's like they keep doing it too, even though it's getting a lot mm-hmm. of coverage on like twitter and other online news organizations and stuff and you know msnbc and cnn and all those are they are giving it coverage just i don't think as much as it should but it's like even though people are aware of this happening it's like they're not doing anything about it you know it's like they keep doing the same thing over and over again yeah we're gonna shoot tear gas at journalists and arrest them and shoot rubber bullets at people because they can get away with it it's uh they can get away with it it's insane and it doesn't surprise me at all that i think that it's now five days of straight protest with this but it is i mean if for those of you listening that aren't super familiar with what's going on there i would highly suggest uh you know taking a look at your twitter feed and see what's happening there because it's uh it's crazy and i think that it this is a really important thing that's happening here and i don't think it's getting enough recognition for that no no it's not uh speaking of going back to robin williams um that was quite a surprise for me as well very sad very shocking indeed i was thinking back to the last stand-up special that i that he did i think it was on hbo i think it was the uh, weapons of self-destruction and it came out a few years back, and I remember watching it, and I was kind of feeling, like, apprehensive about it. Like, man, it's been a long time. I don't know. Does he still have it? And if you go back and watch that, it's amazing. Like, he was such a phenomenal comedian. And I think that a lot of people just look at him for the movies that he was in, and I understand that. But he was a fantastic stand-up comedian. I mean, one of the best. It was so good that special. If you can, if you haven't seen that, I'm gonna have to check that one out. Yeah, I see. I, I knew I was never a big fan of his stand-up. You know, I wasn't either. But this, this one, this weapons of of uh, self destruction, so good. It was so funny and just he still had that energy and it was just he, he I, was just I, on point. Like when I I was remer- you know, he obviously immediately start remembering everything about him and like at first i was just like oh you know i was kind of a fan of robin williams i wasn't a big big fan of his stand-up and stuff but then you keep seeing stuff about him and it was like i kind of took him for granted he did a lot of good shit yeah and i think he did what makes i really i really want to watch toys oh my god I loved toys. <laughs> I, I was obsessed with toys. I loved toys as a kid. And Hook, too. I, like even, even as a kid, I was never that into Mrs. Doubtfire. But toys and Hook and... Oh, my God. I mean, even Aladdin. Like, even... Oh, he was amazing. Even in Aladdin, he was fantastic. And it was just... Uh, 
it's just a terrible, terrible loss. And and I think that it's it's also sad because he was a good person. You know, like he did a lot of good for people, and that makes it all the more sad to lose him. Yeah. And I think that it's and then they- also I think that the coverage when when this happened was. I thought there was a lot of good coverage. You know, there were a lot of people that were coming out and and giving him tributes in different ways. There was videos and articles written, some really touching stuff out there. But then the other side of it, you have these people that are just so horrible. And did, I don't know if you saw, but his daughter had to close was close gonna, down yeah. her her social. Networking accounts because people were so like verbally abusive to her. That's that's so terrible, and I just can't understand how people can have that much hate in them to do something like that. Like, yeah. what did Robin Williams? Like, he's Robin Williams. What what could he possibly have done to you to make you lash out to his daughter? I mean, people people just want attention, man. It's just, just it's so attention. terrible. So terrible. But like I said, there are a lot of really fantastic articles uh, remembering him that, that have come out. So he he will definitely be, be missed. And it makes me want to go back and watch some of his older movies and, and stand-up specials and things like that. And like you said, mm-hmm. I feel yeah. like I feel like I've been kind of taking him for granted as well. It's like his his passing makes me want to go back and watch his stuff. You know, it, it takes that for me to want to revisit some of these these things. But yeah, like toys. I could want to watch toys. I could watch toys. Oh my god, every day. Toys. Now something completely different. Did do you see uh, the actor from Ten Things I Hate About You started a cult? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yes, Andrew Keegan from 10 Things I Hate About You has started a cult. So, there you go. Andrew Keegan. So, you, if you were wondering what Andrew Keegan was up to, you know, where are they, where are they now? Well, he started a religion. So, Do you have any details about this? Uh, uh, it's, called full cir- it's called Full Circle. Hmm. It's, a, it's, it's, it's a religion based on time. Hmm. And I quote, time, that's what it's all about. Whatever the past, some other time, it's a circle. And the center is now. That's what it's about. So, that's that's powerful stuff. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds really (laughs) very powerful. He, yeah, he had a moment. Again, quote, I had a moment where I was looking at a street lamp and it exploded. That was a weird coincidence. Mm. And then I get, apparently that... And then he had another time where a rose-shaped, heart-shaped rose quartz crystal was on an altar, and it jumped off the altar, and it skipped on camera, which, again, he said that was weird. And that's what, uh, that's what drove him to start a new religion about time. Full circle. I'm going to have to look into this. <laughs> yeah, this was, uh, I think this was uh, uh, Vice. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. so yeah oh my so there you go if you're not sure what to do start a just go full circle (laughs) go full circle exactly it's like it's a circle and then in in the middle is now 
Oh man, that is that is so deep. That is so deep and contemplative. You're damn right it is. All right, let's uh, let's move on. Talk about some of what we've been watching. I saw a new movie called Septic Man came out on on demand this weekend. Uh, what to say about Septic Man? It's a basic. So it's a horror movie. It's directed by Jesse T. Cook about a guy who he's a septic worker and this kind of like shadowy government agency hires him to find out why the people of this town are being infected with like all manner of diseases. So he figures out where the source could be coming from and he gets trapped in a giant septic tank and undergoes a transformation because of all of the crazy stuff that's in the septic tank. Okay. And as it turns out, there's like these two kind of creepy monster. They're not, they're not monster people, but they're like sort of like Texas chainsaw massacre, hillbilly inbred type people. Okay. Uh-huh. And they live in the sewer and they kill people uh-huh. and they dump their bodies in this tank. And somehow the bodies were clogging up the uh. pipes that led to the water mm. treatment facility or whatever. And that's how people were getting infected because of all these dead bodies. <sighs> and he gets trapped in this tank with all these dead bodies and all kinds of shit and piss and vomit and God knows what else. And he starts to undergo this transformation. Basically, he turns into the Toxic Avenger. I was just going to say, this sounds like Toxic <laughs> yeah, Avenger. Yeah, yeah. Very, very much. Uh, the movie is basically just a collection <laughs> of excuses to show some of the grossest scenes you could ever imagine. It's The plot is almost non-existent. The characters are underwritten, poorly developed... The, the script is terrible, but if you're into trauma <laughs> movies, if you're into super, <laughs> super gross shit, I mean, there's shit everywhere in this movie. If, if you're into terrible films, this is right up your alley. Pretty much, pretty much. I will say that the, the practical effects, the makeup work and stuff uh, was quite good. Very gross, very disgusting. But that's pretty much the only positive thing I can say about this movie. It's not a good movie. It's not an enjoyable watch. It's not particularly funny. It's not entertaining. No, it's not entertaining whatsoever. Again, if you're a gore hound, if you love gross movies, these gross out movies, it's better than a trauma film. It's higher quality (laughs) than a trauma movie. (laughs) That is high praise. But it's easy to compare this to a trauma movie just because it's pretty much nothing but gross-out stuff. That's really high praise. Lots of vomiting, uh, lots of shit everywhere. Can't stress the shit enough in in this movie. Uh, He's got it, like, all over his face the whole time. It's just... It's everywhere. There's a really, really gross scene at the beginning. The, The opening scene of the movie shows a woman that's been infected with this like tainted water and she's like scratching her arm and her skin's peeling off 
and she's like shitting all over the walls and it's just like spraying everywhere and she's vomiting on herself and it is so freaking gross what yeah what it is a disgusting movie which it's supposed to be Mm -hmm. it's that that's what it was going for it was going for a gross out watch but it it, just it just doesn't work the story's ridiculous. None of it makes any sense. It's like who is this who is this shadow government that's hiring a septic worker? So they evacuate the whole town except for this one dude. He's a septic worker who has to save the town. So they don't have their own um, Well, why wouldn't they just bring in the CDC? Why you know, you would think that they would have their own like expert yeah. Instead of Joe Schmo, septic worker. Yeah. It's a completely ridiculous <laughs> plot. But anyway, if you want to see it, it is available on demand. I cannot recommend it, though. Septic man. Shit just got <laughs> surreal. That's the tag. Is that, is that the tag? It's one of them, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, it, it does get... Because once he starts being affected mm-hmm. by this stuff... Mm-hmm. He starts hallucinating, and it, it gets it does get a little surreal. It gets kind of weird, okay. but it does it just doesn't work. It's like when that happens, it's like okay, well now we have more of an excuse to show random, Disgusting. random gross things. Uh, shit covered surrealism. I'm not, I'm not completely opposed to gross movies one of my favorite movies of the year yeah you're not against you're not against fecal matter one of my favorite movies of the year is one of the grossest movies i've ever seen which is wetlands but when it's just pointless i can't i can't uh, get behind it there has to be at least some sort of story to back it up or some sort of like the characters are not interesting at all they're generic and bland and the the acting's fairly poor and it's just ugh. nope 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 <laughs> that's my favorite bit of criticism for any movie it's just to say nope i'll say that plenty more nope. <laughs> nope. i watch a lot of bad movies as you know uh i watched a bad one which is Claude Chambrol's the butcher from 1970 i heard of this movie i think uh yeah. I think maybe I saw this or like a long, yeah. long, long time ago. Yeah. Nope. Nope. <laughs> That's a big nope. <laughs> this is, uh, it's not, I don't know, it's not really Shambrell's fault necessarily because it was, it was billed as like a cerebral thriller, okay? And I like Shambrell and I'm like, all right, cerebral thriller from the 70s. This is going to be good. But it's not cerebral at all. And it's not a thriller in any sense of the word thrilling. And it, it's a murder mystery where there's no mystery about the murders. Mm. There's an, absolutely no mystery. The movie's called The Butcher, okay? And the, you're introduced to a character called The Butcher. So take it from there. Mm. Mm-hmm. And there's just, there's really nothing in this movie except for some exceptional um, dolly shots, which are fantastic. Which makes it a little bit interesting, but the entire storyline behind this, the, the narrative that goes on here, is just completely uninteresting beyond belief. There, it essentially follows 
there's murders. We know who did it. Do we really? No, we do. (laughs) 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 They throw in like one little red herring where you're just like, well, that's not enough to be a red herring. Like it's still, I know who it is. And then the, (laughs) the murderer makes a bizarre choice towards the end, which he doesn't need to do. Essentially, he proves to everyone that he is the killer. And there was absolutely no reason for him to do it because he was he was in the clear. He was good to go. And for whatever reason, he just he decides to let the cat out of the bag. And it's all just very uh it's all very boring, uninteresting, and not even like the acting's not good. I mean, well, it's it's that in between where it's it's serviceable. Like they do a decent job. You can't really fault them. But at the same time, they don't... Nothing about their performances are entertaining. There's nothing gripping, nothing interesting. There's just nothing. It's just an overall disappointment. Except for the dolly shots. But there's only a handful of those, okay? Mm. It's not enough to maintain my interest. So I do not... uh, I do not suggest the butcher. And there is one... There's one point where Shambro tries to add a little subtext to this film by the woman's a school teacher and she takes her kids on a school trip to the caves and in the caves they have this little discussion about Cro-Magnon Man and it tries to add some subtext but it's done so half-heartedly that it just ultimately fails and after they come out of the caves she's like oh okay let's go have lunch and they picnic on the side of a cliff oh yeah she takes a group of children sure (laughs) on a very very thin cliff seems like a good idea they sit down, they're having their sandwiches, girl's having her sandwich, and blood just starts dropping on her. They look up, and it's the fakest mannequin hand you've ever seen, just hanging over the edge with blood dripping off of it. Which means that the killer just killed this woman like two seconds ago. And they are literally right beneath it, and they didn't hear anything. Hmm. Yeah, that doesn't sound like it's going to work for me. No, it's, it's not going to work for you. Pass it. I saw Turtle Power, The Definitive History of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. This is that documentary we mentioned last week. And it's okay. It's uh, not particularly well made. I wouldn't call it the definitive history. uh, Because they skip over a lot of the later stuff. So, you know, back when we were kids, it was huge. And... Then it kind of, it dropped off a little bit when we got older, but it was still kind of around. Like they came out with like a live action TV show. I think it was called like The Next Mutation or something. And then they, when they redid the Nickelodeon cartoon, that was pretty popular. The, The one, I guess it's still on now. So, but they skipped over all that stuff and it was pretty much a typical talking head documentary that really focused on the early, early, early days uh, when Eastman and Laird were doing the comic books. And I found all that stuff to be incredibly interesting because I didn't really know too much about the the history behind it. <clears throat> because, you know, we came into it when the action figures and the show were were big. We, mm-hmm. we missed mm-hmm. out. We weren't mm-hmm. old enough to enjoy the comic books first. No. We came into it when the cartoons and the action figures were big. So it was really interesting to see 
how it started as this black and white indie comic that was just these two guys, you know, drawing in their cramped little apartment and just how huge it became and seeing how that happened. That was, that was interesting to see how that happened. And the other interesting thing, which I didn't know was remember we, we talked about it on when we had Ryan watch the second movie, the, how after that second movie, they went on tour and they did a music thing. (laughs) Well, as it turned out, uh, Michael Ian Black and uh, Robert Ben Garrett from, you know, this, yeah, you know, yeah, Reno 911 and the state. Uh, they, it turned out that they were actually turtles in costume. They weren't the ones that played on stage, but they were the ones that they would send to the cities like the day before to do promotional stuff. Yes. And I can't remember which was which, but Robert Ben Garrett was either Raphael or Michelangelo, and so was Michael Ian Black. (laughs) So that was really interesting, and they said that they they ended up dropping out of college to become (laughs) Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. (laughs) Uh, I wish I could say that. Yeah. That's the... Oh, man. And here's here's the crazy thing. So they came, when they did that tour, they came to York. They came to the fairgrounds. Of course. And they did the promotion thing, and I went to see Michelangelo when they did the... So I probably met Michael Ian Black in a turtle costume. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. (laughs) Oh... Did you did your mind explode when you when you figured that out? Bit, yeah. <laughs> when you pieced it all together, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> but I'm not sure if it was really him because it, no, it can't be. Don't him. That, that story. That story's not interesting. Okay, okay. It, it was him. It was totally him. You have pictures that prove it. It was him. I'm just imagining this montage of you watching the documentary and you, the light bulb goes off, and your face lights up, and you just like run around the house going through boxes of photos. Until you find one, and then you just hit it with your finger. And you look up to the sky. You look up to the sky. You hold it. And you're like, yes. It'd be like me. Like, and if, if for those of you that have seen the, the new Turtles movie, it'd be like when April figured out who the Turtles were. <laughs> oh, God. Does she just lose her mind and run around screaming? Uh, she acts like an idiot. <laughs> it's, a, it's a terrible scene and a terrible movie. So, at, at any rate, very light recommend on Turtle Power. Not the best looking <laughs> documentary by any stretch. Yeah. It looks it's pretty poorly made. And a lot of the stuff is stuff that we already know. But, you know, it's still kind of a light doc. If, you, if you're really into the Turtles, yeah, might be worth checking out. <laughs> Uh, I have a light recommend, which is Red Flag. This is the movie from Alex Karpovsky, which you might know him from Girls. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, what's his name in that? Um, don't tip my tongue. Get it. Pull it out. Come on. No. Uh, no. I don't. I don't have it. You, I don't, you don't have no. it. You 
plays apparently he plays Ray. Ray, god damn it! <laughs> uh, you're a terrible person. I haven't seen this movie, but I I wanted to. This is this is just a nice uh, you know lighthearted indie comedy, and it's uh, it's rather entertaining for 85 minutes. So it's nothing you know extraordinary, um, but it's you know. It's a good time. It's a good. It's a good way to waste eighty five minutes. I like his st- chuckle a little bit. I like his style of humor, where he's kind of like this pretentious uh, prick, sort of. Yeah, is, is he, he like does, that in this movie? He, he does much of that in this movie. This is. Uh, it's the so the story for this movie is he he breaks up with his longtime girlfriend at the outset, <clears throat> right before he's going on this like a tour of the southern states, showing an old. Or one of his first uh, indie films that he made, which is the movie Woodpecker. So he plays himself in this movie, and he's going on this tour, and he's just really bummed out about it. <laughs> and he he doesn't want to do it alone, so he's calling up all of his friends just to see if he can get someone to go with him. And obviously no one wants to go with him because he's not the best person. Um, <clears throat> and that is until his one friend, Henry, meets up with him. And goes on the tour with them. And Henry is played by Onor uh, Tuckle from Summer of Blood and Septian. Mm-hmm. And he's instantly hilarious. He's, oh my God, he's so funny. <laughs> he, I, the movie was losing me for a little bit. And then he popped up. They injected some Tuckle in there. Or however the hell you pronounce his name. I'm just going to keep saying it wrong over and over again. <laughs> Tuckle? They injected <laughs> Tuckle? Tuckle? Tuckle. To Kel. I just can I can I just run through all the wrong ways to say it? Okay. Real quick? Yeah. No, I don't want to do that. He he shows up and he's fantastic. And just the banter between him and Karpovsky is is great. I loved it. It's he he's working Henry is working on a children's children's book about a kid in a haunted piano in a cemetery. And at the end of the book, the kid dies. So he re- he re- he wants to be the first person to deal with death in a children's book, and they have some discussions about it, and they also have some discussions about oral sex, frittatas, <laughs> a whole a whole wide range of topics are discussed. And this is on uh, Netflix Instant. Looks this like. is on this is on Netflix Instant. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna add this to my list. Yeah, you're gonna have to watch this one. It's good times. Yeah, I've been meaning to watch it for a while it's just uh kind of fell off my I, radar i did the same thing i did the same thing then i needed a pick me up so i went to red flag here and it picked me up a little bit yeah maybe i'll maybe i'll catch that this weekend this week uh the only other one i wanted to w- mention is the expendables 3 that, ca- oh, that yeah? came out in theaters this this weekend saw the expendables 3 have a review for that up on the site you know this is you- this is one of these sort of critic proof movies you can you can pick it apart you can criticize it all you want but it's it doesn't matter i mean it's just a big it's a big dumb action movie i thought that they did a lot of things better in this one than in the previous ones they didn't poke as much fun with the age thing because that was getting a little tired like I, I was like, I get it. You guys are old. I get it. You don't have to keep joking about it. You're old, and you're in an action movie, and it's funny. 
I understand. We, we get it. In this okay. in this one it was a little bit different how how they how the plot worked. So it was like it was almost as if it was Sylvester Stallone passing the torch off to the younger action stars. And that was Is there th- is there a good number of jokes with the young guys talking about how old they are? Uh, not not too many. Uh, I was worried that That's that good. was going to happen. Good. And That's there cool. are a few, but it's not it's not overwhelming. The thing about these movies, and, and I felt the same way about the other two, was that some of the dialogue was really snappy and funny. Like the banter between all the Expendables when they're giving each other shit and making fun of each other. I thought that a lot of that bu- worked. But then, when they're busting balls. Yeah, when they're busting each other's balls. But everything else didn't work. Like when they're actually talking about the mission plan or... When they're having a, a a sincere and earnest moment with the villain or or anyone else, it's like none of that stuff works at all. It's like you guys should just stick with the action, keep it light, keep it fun. Uh, the other thing, this was PG thirteen, and there is more on screen death in this movie than I think I've seen in any. I mean, literally, the Expendables go up against an entire country's army. And kill them all. <laughs> and it's like, because oh, there's no blood, yeah. there's yeah. no blood, so we can get a PG-13 no rating. And I have a problem with that. Well, there's... No, it's all about the blood, man. As long as there's no blood, it's cool. Because, I mean, you don't want... Because they're not really to... killing each other. They're having, like, an airsoft battle. Like yeah, a giant, exactly. elaborate Dude, these airsoft are nerf, battle. These are Nerf guns. It's it's just they're a just big game of laser tag that they're playing. <laughs> I have a but anyway, I have a problem with that because it's like if you're going to make this 80s throwback <laughs> action movie, just just go for the R. You know, just the first Expendables is completely over the top violent. I mean, people are exploding <laughs> in that movie. There's just blood everywhere. It's crazy and it's fun, but in this movie, it feels like everything is being held back. And if you're gonna do a movie like this, would, just do it. Would, you know why? Why are they even doing it? Like, are they trying to go for like a family yeah, film of the year? I, I guess they're trying to appeal to younger people. <clears throat> and I'm sure that this also has to do with the fact that the movie got leaked online like three weeks before it came out, but. The box office numbers are not very good for this. So I don't know if I'm sure that the fact that it got leaked sure. has something to do oh, with I'm it. Sure. I'm sure that hurt it. I'm sure that it hurt it a lot. But I think also if they just made it R rated, I think that they'd still I mean the other two were R rated and they did great, you know? So why why change yeah, the formula with this one? It does seem kinda odd. I will say that the return of uh of um Wesley Snipes was interesting. He still got it. He can still do action. Still do. There's it. a really funny. There's a really funny joke. The opening sequence of the movie is them busting him out of prison, and there's a scene where one of I think it's I don't know if it's Randy Couture or Dolph Lundgren. They ask him how you ended up in prison, and he says tax <laughs> evasion. <laughs> Which that's funny. They. There's also a line in it where they give a jab at Bruce Willis because, you know, Bruce Willis was supposed to be in this, but then he wanted too much money. So he 
ended up not being in it. So there's a little jab that's that Stallone and Harrison Ford make at Bruce Willis in this, which was funny. So it's not a good movie. A lot of the dialogue is terrible. The action is ridiculous and over the top. It's certainly not for kids, even though it's PG-13. But you said there's no blood. Yeah, so well. It's definitely for kids. Yeah, well. <laughs> it's, it's just for kids. All the young Expendables are terrible. I hated every scene with them. Fortunately, they're not in it that much. I was really worried that this movie was going to be mostly the young Expendables and just have a smattering of the older guys. But there's really only like one scene where it's just the young Expendables. And then at the end, it's all of them, the new ones and the old ones. They're terrible. That uh, Ronda Rousey, who's an MMA fighter, she's pretty bad. Uh, what's the other guy? Victor Ortiz. Is that who it is? I think. So none of these, none of these guys are good. No, no, no. The new, the new people are not good. Kelsey Grammer's in this for some reason. He's actually a pretty interesting character. He's not in it very much. Antonio Banderas is in it. And he, his character is fantastic. He's so funny. He's playing kind of against type where he's this super energetic, like <laughs> he's just bouncing off the walls and he's always talking and he's annoying everybody around him. See, there's a part of me that wants to watch it just for that. He's great. He is so funny in this. Um, and who else didn't I mention? Mel Gibson is the villain. Oh, spoiler. Oh, you know that in the trailer. Spoiler. You just ruined this movie for me. Now that I know that there's no blood and Mel Gibson is the villain. You son of a bitch. You you know you weren't going to see this anyway. <laughs> you haven't seen you haven't seen any of them, have you? I haven't I've not seen any of them. I'm not I'm not, I'm not a big action guy. Just I don't I don't Yeah. And I'm just there's a part of me I don't get the appeal of like gunplay and explosions right and that's what this I is just they're it's very boring there, to me there's some hand-to-hand combat but it's all pretty much like brawling <laughs> you know combat not martial arts there is some martial arts in it, of course jet lee's in it but he doesn't do anything in this movie at all he shoots a gun uh <laughs> if you're if you're into <laughs> just imagine a scene where it's just jet lee appears in the frame He's just looking at a gun, and he shoots it, and then it cuts. And that's it. It's actually that's... not much more than that, <laughs> honestly. Fantastic. Now I want to watch it even more for that scene and Antonio Banderas being funny. Yep. yep. So anyway, unless you're super into these 80s action movies, you like the other two Expendables... Give it a watch, you know. Go, go to the theater and see it. Give give them some, help them get some of their money back. Don't I just, don't pirate it. That's that's shitty. It's just uh, this thing's 126 minutes long. Like that seems unnecessary. A lot of action in this. <laughs> they just they jam a lot in there. The the final action sequence is really long, but there's like ten of them in it. So, mm. you know, it's uh, it's not, don't don't expect much. But I felt I was entertained by it. So yeah, well, I mean, it's all it's setting out to do is to entertain. Yeah, so and it, it's, if it does that, 
you know, it's, yeah, I mean, it's supposed what are you, what are you, what are you expecting? It's what are you expecting? It's supposed to remind you of an '80s action movie, and a lot of times '80s action movies are not very good. So it, it's not surprising that this would not be very good. I think I gave it a five out of ten on the site. That was a very generous score, and I only give it that score just because I did have fun with it, despite it being pretty poorly made. <laughs> So, there you have it. The Expendables 3 in theaters now. Mm. All right. I have one last one that I really wish that I didn't see. And I don't exactly know how much I really want to talk about it. Because it's just unfortunate timing. I watched The Angriest Man in Brooklyn. Oh. Oh. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, boy. I just... That was... That was not a good decision to make. It's a tough watch. It's a tough watch. Very tough. Now, did you watch this before he, or after? After. Oh. <laughs> it was it was in transit when news broke. Oh, okay. okay. It was in transit, all right? So then it shows up. Um, and what makes it difficult is, number one, it's not good at all. It looks terrible. It's terrible. It's not funny at all. At all, there is one. There's one small moment where I laughed, and that's because Louis C.K.'s in it, and just watching him reacting to his climax when he's having sex with Mila Kunis, that made me laugh. Hmm. That's it. How? In what world does is Louis C.K. having sex with Mila Kunis? In this world, okay. In the angriest man Brooklyn, it happens. All right. Um. But it's it's not funny at all. No one's all the acting is. Mm, they are they are sleepwalking through this one, and to make to make it worse, he attempts suicide in this movie. So you got that. Ugh. You have that in there. So it's just it's really difficult to watch. It's just uncomfortable. It's an uncomfortable film viewing experience. That I do not want to go through again. This is directed by the guy that did Field of Dreams and Sneakers? Correct. Interesting. I was just as surprised because if you are to see this movie, it is unbelievably poorly made. The camera work, the shot composition, the story, the dial, everything is just, it's bad. It's just, it's this weird mixture too of so many different kinds of, um, camera styles like handheld and then it like switches to video and it's just it's awful it's all over the place it's a mess i want to rewatch sneakers i do i do as well i love that I, movie. yeah that movie is fantastic angriest man in brooklyn um is not <laughs> and it, it's just that's why why did that happen why did that happen adam i i don't know don't know what to tell you there I hope that doesn't happen again. And I feel like such a dick for choosing know. that one out of all out of all of well, his like I said, it was filmography. No, no like I, know, I, I said, it. it was in transit. I, gotcha. I, I mean, I'm getting the angriest man in Brooklyn. I'm not. I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> and that happens as it's making its way to my mailbox. I got you. I mean, come on, come on. Hmm. Well, now you got to make up for it and watch toys. toys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, let's uh, let's go ahead and move on to our first review, 
we'll talk about Welcome to New York. Well, let's let's get that let's get that sucker out of the way. This is directed by Abel Ferrara. I have a synopsis here. Mr. Devereaux is a powerful man, a man who handles billions of dollars every day, a man who controls the economic fate of nations, a man driven by a frenzied and unbridled sexual hunger, a man who dreamed of saving the world and who cannot save himself, a terrified man, a lost man. Oh, uh, I love, I love your cadence. Yeah, I love cadence on that one. The inflections too. This stars Gerard Depardieu and uh, Jacqueline Bisset. Uh, where to begin? Okay, so this is basically, it's about Dominic Strauss-Kahn, the former, was he, it was the IMF, but was he the, the head of the IMF? The, the chief, the chief of the I can't remember his title. I think, like, managing director or something. Okay, so... Uh, let me get this out of the way. I remember when this happened. This was just three years ago that this that this uh, scandal took place. And I didn't really care then. And I don't know too much about the IMF. I don't know too much about Dominic Strauss-Kahn. And I didn't... So that wasn't helping me going into this movie because I, I cared very little yeah. for the story. Yeah. But I was kind of thinking, oh, it might be a cool kind of courtroom drama where maybe there's some political intrigue there and it's kind of a statement on uh, people in power and what they can get away with and the abuse of power and all this and that. Um, And I thought that this movie was interesting in that it was kind of looking, it was looking at Dominic Strauss-Kahn, even though they don't call him that, but it was also looking at Gerard Depardieu it was kind of like a double thing because there was that segment, there's a segment before the film even starts where they're interviewing Gerard Depardieu and ta- yeah. talking to him about the role, which is a really odd thing to put in a movie. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> I, I would, yeah, I would agree with that. I didn't understand. Well, I think um, that what the, what for the importance of that, I think that what Ferraro was trying to do with that was draw parallels between, the the character and the actor playing the character yeah but it's it's done so flippantly just so like because there is that whole there's there's like no substance to it at all it's just like hey you're in this movie yeah i'm playing this role yeah and then it goes to the movie like oh okay sure yeah i couldn't really tell what they were going for with that because it's, it's kind of Gerard Depardieu saying like, yeah, I played this role, but I don't condone it and stuff. And, but that feels, it feels really weird to include that. It feels in there completely unnecessary, but also we're all, we're already starting off on the wrong foot here, but also, you know, Gerard Depardieu, uh, left France and is now a Russian citizen because he wanted to avoid the heavy taxes on the wealthy Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so now he is a Russian. So I'm wondering if that plays into what Ferrara was trying to look at at all. Sure. Sure. <laughs> sure. I, I mean, I don't really see any uh, evidence of it in the movie. Like maybe he was going for that, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't communicated through the film. I didn't. I don't I, think. No, I didn't see that either, but... So basically, there's kind of 
three main sections of the movie where the first is just him having sex graphic horrifically disgusting sex just over <laughs> and over and over and the the best thing about it's relentless it's relentless. it is relentless the best thing about it was pretty much this is my the best thing about the whole movie where the various noises that gerard oh never do <laughs> are you kidding me it is he sounds like a feral animal yeah yeah he just growls mixed, and and then and then mix that with fat breathing. Yeah, and that's that's pretty much what you have. He's also uh, it's one of the uh, most aggressive blowjobs I've ever seen. Oh God, it wasn't really a blowjob. No, it was was pretty much a rape. My goodness. So yeah, that's that's how the movie starts. Off. I also thought it was interesting how spherical Gerard Depardieu is in this movie. He's just I feel like if you pushed him over, he would just roll. He would just roll down the hill. <laughs> so you're thinking of it as like a weeble wobble yeah okay oh my he does he yeah i would agree that the best part of this movie is the various noises that he makes um outside that everything is uninteresting yeah so there's the there's the beginning part where they set up this character and he's just a awful awful human being and he sexually assaults a maid at a, in a hotel in New York and he gets arrested and that leads to the part of the movie that I liked probably the most where it was all of the the processing of everything you know where they took him in and they arrested him they kept him at the airport and then the whole scene where they were processing him, him through uh in in the jail I liked all that stuff I thought that that stuff was it felt realistic and it felt uh there was there was uh at least one really interesting camera shot in the in the jail i can't remember specifically what it looked like there was a there was actually a a lot of the camera work oh was and that yeah i was gonna get to that there was a there's another scene near the end of the film where he's walking down his stairs and it, the camera's fixed behind the stairs and you just see his uh, blinking house arrest thing. I like that shot. And there was another shot with um, Jacqueline Bissett where it was like a mirror shot. You know what I'm talking about? It was towards, I think it was towards the end of the movie where she was walking. But oh, then yeah, she yeah. Like came in through the other side. Just the way that it was framed was really interesting. There was some other shots too. There was, uh, I noticed there were some some zoom-ins going on. Figured got some... Apparently that's if, it's catching on. I figured you you would probably hate that. People people need to. That was that was the scene. Need to quit it. There was a scene where he was in the police station, I think, being processed. But the camera was like outside the room or something, and they zoomed in real far, and it was unfocused. And then he like focused it real quick, mm. and I thought that that was that was cool looking, uh, plot wise or story wise. Narrative-wise, this movie is a, uh, a slog to get through. I did not enjoy. Correct. I didn't. Um, I didn't enjoy anything of what I was watching. This is, again, this is one of those movies where it's it's competent filmmaking. It's technically a good film. The acting's good. The camera work I thought was fantastic. Um, it looks good, <clears throat> but at the end of the day. I'm just wondering to myself, why does it exist? Right. Yeah. Like, what's why? 
Why? Why is this here? It, it, Why did I watch it? I nothing. It just feels like sometimes Abel Ferrara, and, and the same can probably be said about Lars von Trier, where they're trying to be controversial for controversy's sake. And he had to know that making this movie, making it the way that he did, being as as graphic as it is, that he was going to ruffle some feathers and he was going to get a rise out of people. And of course, like the Dominic Strauss-Kahn is suing him over this and all this stuff and the family's suing him and all this stuff. And that's probably what he wanted. (laughs) He was just looking to get sued. (laughs) That's the outcome, the best possible outcome for this movie. That's what he wanted. And the other thing is, is, you know, what a lot of the speculation regarding the accusation that occurs in this movie is uh, some people are spec- speculate that it was a setup that he was going to be running for president and they wanted to do this to basic basically uh, crush his prospects of becoming president. Yeah. So sure. I don't know. The other, the other connection between sure. Gerard Depardieu and Dominic Strauss-Kahn is that Dominic Strauss-Kahn was a member of the Socialist Party, and he was in favor of the the taxes on the wealthy that Gerard Depardieu was strongly against. So, eh, another little another little connection there for you. <laughs> uh, the the main thing that I enjoyed was uh, Jacqueline Bisset. Uh, I thought she, she was she, fantastic in this. Yeah, she it was. It was fine. She was good, but I, the the scenes between the two of them, I felt dragged on a little bit too long. Although I did, I did love the, the scene where she confronts him about it after he gets out, and yeah, he's what did he say? He's like, uh, something. The way that he described the the blowjob was was really funny. <laughs> it's just the way that he worded it, it was laughable. Oh my. Yeah, but again, it's I don't I hate these films. I hate these films in the sense that there's just not there's not much to say. To me there's just no substance in this movie whatsoever. Yeah, I agree. It's it is better. It's, I thought that Like I is it saying anything? Is he trying to say anything? Which again, from watching it, it doesn't let, it doesn't seem like he's trying to say anything or if he is he did not convey that in any way whatsoever i think probably he's trying to make a statement <clears throat> on the the power of the wealthy and i mean that seems to be the most surface level message yeah well he did a piss poor job of it oh, i agree i completely agree i will say that i thought that this was better than 444 oh my god this is <laughs> This is leaps and bounds, leaps and bounds better than 444. Because at least this one looked interesting visually. Correct. Correct. I wouldn't say that I was entertained by this movie, (laughs) but at least the visual aspects of it kept me from turning it off. No, I I was not interested at all. As much like you going into this, it's not a story that I find gripping. In any way, shape, or form, um, to me, Dominic Strauss-Kahn is just, you know, 
a piece of shit person that I don't really feel like spending any time with. And so I had that going into it. And honestly, to me, it felt like I was just merely existing in the room at the same time that this was playing. <laughs> and then when it was over, I was like, oh, good, I can... I can move I can on with my about, life. <laughs> I, can go, <laughs> I can go about my life now. Yeah. It was. It felt... It kind of felt like a prison sentence to watch it. I agree. I, I totally agree. It was... Uh... It was tough to get through. I mean, I knew from probably the first 15 minutes, I was like, oh boy. <laughs> yes. I mean, those... You know you know instantly. And then it's... So yeah, it was just... It's just me and Welcome to New York were in the same room for <laughs> like two hours. That's the other thing. Is, does it have to be two hours long? Well, those sex scenes. <laughs> those sex scenes. Look, I, I don't I don't care about sex in film. That's fine. If it if the scene warrants it, but these scenes are so long and they just never end. And they're, yeah, they're supposed, I think they're supposed to be gross. I I would hope they're supposed to be kind of gross. Cause he's a gross dude in this, but <laughs> it's like, we, we can probably watch, you can cut those down by quite a bit and still get the same effect, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Things get silly with the milkshakes. Oh God, yeah. Which I'm just like, what? Where is this going? Why? Why are we getting silly with milkshakes? And for so long, they got so silly with those milkshakes. So long. long. (laughs) Things got messy, and then you know he he goes to sleep, and you're like, finally, this guy's done. They warm out, great, and then it's just fucking right back at it in the morning. Right back at it. Jesus, fucking this guy over here. Come on now. I think and you do get to see a lot of Depardieu Wiener in it, so. So yeah, if you're looking for that, if you're looking boom, to well, see the Wiener of the guy from Green Card. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Welcome uh, to New York. Wow. What do you think about the title? Other well, than, uh, do you think that the title has any meaning other than the? the scene where he gets arrested at the airport where it says welcome to new york yeah you you can take that you can run with that any way you like it's so ambiguous i mean you can make a connection to anything it's not really about new york though i mean at least to me i think i did read i did read one really interesting review on this that the i can't remember who wrote it so i apologize but in the review, he basically was talking about how this movie, all of the representations of New York that are in this movie, and I that was a really interesting way to look at this movie, but I did not get that out of it. So, you know, I can't really agree with... I did. I, I enjoyed the, uh, much like you, the, the realism of when he goes to... You know, when they arrest them and right. take them to jail. I enjoyed that. And that's it. <laughs> yeah. Again, it's just it's just me and Welcome to New York in the same room for two hours. Well, there you have it. I cannot... Re- in, in awkward silence. <laughs> yeah. Uh, didn't didn't make milkshakes? Enjoy milkshakes with Welcome to <laughs> New York? I, I don't want to have milkshakes for a while. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, let's... it's also it's also turned me off of sex for a while. <laughs> it, so. Yeah, because 
you get that image. You get that mm-hmm. image right. stuck in your head, and you're just like, oh, oh. All right, uh, let's go ahead and rate Welcome to New York. Oh, I haven't even thought about this. I'll give it um, hmm. I'll give it a three. Three? I, I want to invent a new rating that's just... You know what? No. It's nothing. That's nothing. It's just the silence. Yeah, no, I'll stick with three. <laughs> I, I'm really waffling between like a two and a three on this one. But I'll say three. Mm, I'm going to go... Jeez. I'm going to go four, four, five, five. I don't know. I don't know. Don't ask me. <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, there you go, Kevin. Four, four, five, whatever. Kevin gives it a four whatever. or five. Whatever. Whatever it is. I mean, it's a competent movie, but just okay, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm, there you have it. Welcome to New York. Let's move on and talk about Richard Linkletter's Boyhood. Okay, see, now this is a movie you can actually talk about. Yeah. There's something going on in this one. There's a lot going on in this movie. So this uh, synopsis says, The life of a young man, Mason, from age 5 to age 18. I'm so glad that we can finally talk about this. I've been... It feels kind of weird, though, doesn't it? I've been... Yeah, it does. Like, we're really late to the party. Well, I've been talking about this since january and now finally it's it's in enough theaters that we can talk about it it's playing most places at this point kevin which we we forgot to talk about this a little bit i wanted to bring it up i figured we would do it when we talk about boyhood but this is this is rated r that is, this is rated r. i was gonna mention you, that are you kidding this me? is rated r expendables 3 where there is more death on screen than anything I've they, ever witnessed in my they, life. They kill an entire country's <laughs> army. And Boyhood, which should not be rated R, this this should be the type of movie that kids see, especially young boys. This is the type of movie that I would have loved. You know, you it's so relatable. But let's... I, think i'm getting ahead of myself kevin i've been talking about this movie a lot over the last several months so we'll start with you dial it back we'll start with you did i see the same one everyone else did i think you did like did i this wasn't you i didn't see like a different cut or anything no okay oh i'm assuming that you saw the one that everybody else saw okay okay i was not uh as enamored as everyone else I I found this to be a difficult watch. I think you're crazy. I, yeah, I knew you would say that. <laughs> I think you're absolutely <laughs> crazy. I trust me. I don't. I don't want to be this guy. Okay. I don't want to be him. Contrary. I wanted. I wanted to Kevin enjoy the, the damn thing. You son of a bitch. Um, this isn't a role I'm playing. <laughs> I don't want to be disappointed by films. Damn it. I want to enjoy them. But this would fell a little bit short. Now I didn't. Don't get me wrong. I didn't like hate it or anything. I'm not going to be sitting here coming up with ridiculous arguments saying that it's terrible. I'm not going to do that. All right. It's just some portions of it were really difficult to get through because I thought that they were just really, really poorly done. Well, uh, before you continue, I would like to say that I didn't find this to be a perfect film. I, I don't think that most people will say unequivocally that it is a perfect film film i didn't give this a 10 well, out of 10 i, I, I mean I, 
I don't know. It's got a hundred out of a hundred on Metascore. What's well, yeah, but that's that's, that's why I kind of that's where I'm thinking. Yeah, did I miss something here? Uh, probably. Am I, am, am I that much of an asshole? I, well, I don't know. Is that what it is? May, well, I don't know if asshole is <laughs> like, the word, <laughs> but maybe <laughs> maybe cynic. You yourself. That was nice. Maybe a little, that was nice. A little cynical with this stuff. And it's weird because the Mason's life, the, you know, they sort of capture here is very relatable oh yeah it was pretty much my life to like a t almost yeah it was interesting because he's younger than us but a lot of the same stuff that they hit in this movie even a lot of the pop culture things were occurring when we were younger and so i thought that was all kind of interesting too and helped it be more relatable i think if the if we were his exact age it would probably be fucking nuts (laughs) <laughs> we just fucking lose it yeah lose it with the references well what, uh-huh. what what were the issues that you had with it so i can refute them <laughs> so you can call me names <laughs> uh one of the biggest ones was the entire section with um her second i husband. knew you were gonna say that that was one of the biggest problems i had in the movie it's like um and it's it's not just bad. That section's not just bad. That felt like a like a poor man's after school special. Well it I, was that bad. It was that was awful. I didn't think it was sorry. I didn't think it was awful. It was, the acting was really bad in that section. It was the dialogue was terrible. Yeah, I didn't that was just that was a oof. I, I didn't find that to be Oof. A very strong section of the movie, but I don't think that it was. <laughs> I wouldn't say it was bad, like outright bad. Um, I I did. I just did. And that's the thing about this movie. So the plot is pretty basic. I mean, it's a standard coming of age story. And correct, correct. That worked for me though, within the context of how this was created. And I think that. The big thing to talk about is how this was created because there's there's never been anything like it before. There probably won't be again. And I thought that it, he did it so well. I mean, making a movie over 12 years. That Wait, I mean, that's another thing. I'm not that... Okay, whatever. I'm just not that enamored by it. I'm not that enamored by it. Well, here, I mean, here's the thing. Tool Time did this shit. Every TV show does this well, shit. That, yeah, and that's true. Right. That is absolutely true. It's not. It's not something to but, lose our shit over and just start jerking off repeatedly. But seeing it over the span of a, a three-hour movie, I think, is different than watching fifteen seasons of Home Improvement. I think that it's it's with the way that it's dis, uh, exhibited is more interesting and. I will say that going into it, I was not 100% on board with the concept. I was like, it seems cool, but maybe it's a little bit gimmicky. And I don't know if that's really going (coughs) to do it for me. But it really did. Like, it really affected me in, in a way that I didn't expect, where it was so interesting to see a character, multiple characters age and get older and have them not like be wearing old man makeup or be being played by different 
actors. And it, f- it just made everything feel so much more organic and real to me. And I liked that. I thought that it was, was great. Uh, I, will, I will give it this. It was the way that they poured off, um, and especially the editing. Well, yeah. Um, Sandra Dare. She should win every single Oscar for editing. And that's the other thing that I was... Because the way, the way that they cut this together is just perfect. And that's I'll give it that. It's perfect in that realm. But just think think of how bad this <laughs> might have been. I mean, if they used first of all, he had the link letter had the foresight to use thirty five millimeter so that it's a consistent look through the entire thing. If he used digital, it probably would have like you would have been able to see, you know? It would have been awful. It would have been terrible. Uh he he doesn't use title cards or anything like that to indicate when the passage of time occurs. And I thought that that was such a good decision because if they did do something like that, it would have pulled you out of it. You would have been like, well, okay, he's now he's 10. Now well, he's 12. He just, he does it with pop culture. Pop culture right. And I think that, and I think that that works. I think that that, I, that was a good decision to do that by using audio visual cues to say, okay, well, this is, you know, how many years later we got Britney Spears and then we have like Lady Gaga and we have different iterations of video games and things like that on the screen. I think that that was a really interesting way of showing how much time has passed. I'm just, I'm reminded now, like watching this with my wife and as soon as the movie opens, you know, with the, the clouds in the sky and that's playing Coldplay, she just looks over at me and she's like, oh, you're not going to like this. Because I hate that fucking song. Well, I hate that song too, but that doesn't have anything. That, that's a sign of the time. I know, it's just, that's, just, that's just a story that I'm throwing out there. It's just a sign but, of the times. Uh, I mean, I don't like, just I, I don't like, I don't like Lady Gaga. That doesn't mean <laughs> that I hate this movie now. Well, no, I don't, don't please don't think that I'm saying that that's why I didn't enjoy it as much as everyone Are you else. saying that you didn't like because the, the, the pop culture references? I, not entirely. It, to me, it, I, I understand why it's employed. Right? I know what he's going for. But to me, it just made it feel extremely dated, which I know is what he's going for. Right. <laughs> so you can't really hold it against him. But at the same time, I, I'm not a fan of it. But also, you got to think that he's filming this when those things were relevant. So... You don't know what's going to stick and what's not going to stick. You know, it's I think it was interesting to see the things that he chose. But also, when you're 12 years old, if the Wii comes out when you're 12, of course, you're going to be playing the shit out of that thing. (laughs) You know, like they made they made sense. No, 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 I'm not talking about that. So I'm just talking about it. I'm not a fan of his the way he does um, soundtracks and such. It's just something it's something I don't like that he does. I didn't like the soundtrack. I don't like those pop culture soundtracks. Yeah, I thought it was fine. Where they use, you know, popular songs and such. You don't like the Days and Confused soundtrack? I'm not a fan of it. Oh my god. Just, I'm not a fan of it. Sorry. It's amazing. Well, yeah, I, I like the I, I wanna see the I'm assuming that they talk about this when they come out with the Criterion release, because I, I had heard that there were some issues with some of the songs because, you know, you got to put these songs in and get the licensing for them. But how do you license something 12 years out? You know, it's, it's kind of a weird 
thing. And I think that he ended up having to replace some songs or something. But I, I do want to find out more about about that because I think that that I, I can't wait to watch a lot of the behind the scenes stuff in this because I found it to be so fascinating how it was put together. Like, it's just crazy to me. Uh, the other thing is a lot of the dialogue in this movie. I, I like the dialogue. It, to me, it didn't a lot of it felt like it was ad libbed off the cuff improvised but apparently it wasn't Uh, this is a very heavily scripted movie with the exception of a few interactions but to me it felt very natural and see i didn't see i'm the opposite yeah i thought everything felt very forced and it didn't feel natural at all to me the only person in this film that i thought was natural was ethan hawk believe it or not i thought he was fantastic i agree he was the bright spot bright spot for me anytime that he was on the screen I was like, I'm in. I'm on this. I'm I'm on the bandwagon here. But then he would leave, and I had, I didn't want to be on the bandwagon anymore. I just it, everything felt really forced to me. And again, this is I could tell that it was heavily scripted because Linkletter injects his philosophical points in there occasionally, which you know I'm not a fan of. They were so they light. Just, they were so they, light in this movie, though. I mean, that, but they're so. But those conversations are the same. The same false. conversations that you and I had when we were that age, and it's the, well, yeah, they're ridiculous. I, but I, I hate that version of me. So <laughs> it's justified, all right. I hate the current version of me. So you can't use that as an argument. But it, and especially the the way the film ended his. What uh, Mason says, mm-hmm. which just, I was rolling. I was rolling at the end of this movie. That was hilarious to me. Because it's 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 essentially the same thing they were making fun of at the beginning of of uh, the podcast with the guy making his own cult. And what he was saying that his religion's about. And we're like, ah, oh, that's hilarious. You're silly. And then he says the same thing in this movie at the end. And it's, oh my god, it's so great. It's so wonderful. I- didn't that uh, didn't really affect me a lot of the dialogue was I, laughable i liked it laugh- I, I liked a lot of the conversations i felt like you know they they hit the broad strokes of growing up and the quandaries Again. of life and all that stuff but that's not really what did it for me that's not what made me love this movie i did again everything between um mason and his dad was fantastic all that stuff just felt very, you know, loose and natural. But for me, everything else felt really strained and forced, unfortunately. Well. Sorry. I'm sorry. That's kind of how the Patricia Arquette character was written, too. She was kind of high strung and she was always making bad decisions when it comes to relationships and stuff. And she was kind of. I also liked how the dynamic of of his parents switched. Eventually, you know, like at the beginning of the movie, Ethan Hawke was kind of the one without direction. He was a little wild and whatever. And then eventually it, it kind of flipped. I <laughs> I know that was that's what I'm talking about. Like, that's really relatable to me. That is I've experienced that <laughs> where I had a dad, you know, that when we were in elementary school would buy us and we would listen to Easy E and KMFDM and Nine Inch Nails, and now he has a new family, 
and he's uber Catholic. So there you go. It happens. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> and it's just as weird as it was in this movie. I thought that there were a lot of really good comedic bits in this movie. There's a lot of just little subtle lines that get uttered in this movie that I thought were quite funny. And they're not like hamming it up to be funny a lot of times, but it just like works. Like a lot of the conversations that Patricia Arquette has with the kids, I thought some of her reactions and things that she said were funny. And I love one of my favorite lines is when the, the, the guy's drunk at the table and he just goes, I hate squash. (laughs) Uh, Uh, Who doesn't though? I certainly Who do not doesn't? like squash. Who doesn't hate squash? Certainly don't like squash. No, not a fan of it either. Well, <clears throat> at any rate, I th- I thought that this movie was brilliant. I, you know, seeing it a second time, I was a little, I was more worried because usually uh, when I come off of a festival movie, I like it more, and then I when I rewatch it, I don't like it as much. But I was totally into this movie, seeing it a second time. And the the length of the movie also had me worried. I was like, oh, do I want to sit through this again? Because <laughs> this is a long, this is a long watch. Yeah, it a, does, it's, it, it's long. it requires long. an investment from you. And I, strangely, I was just completely into it. Even though See, I knew what was going to happen and everything, I was fully invested. I was worried as well. Because, like I said, most of the stuff that I didn't like was towards the beginning of the film. It's just this, for me, like the first third of this was really rough to get through. And that's why I was, you know, I'm thinking to myself, I know that this is close to three hours long. And I'm just, I'm getting really worried. But it it did eventually come around. And it really started to work for me. It started to click. And I enjoyed it a lot more. But I was really, really worried in the beginning stages there. The only thing that, you know... It built up this goodwill as it made it towards the end, and then it just cut some of that out big time with the scene that I hate more than anything oh, wait, in the world. I, let me let me guess. <laughs> you I, know I, exactly what I hate. I, I don't know. I could be I could be wrong because it's a little scene, but the scene in the restaurant. Yeah, come on. What the <laughs> fuck? What the fuck is that? Are you kidding me? I knew it. Like that's that's bushly <laughs> shit. That is bushly uh, shit. I I, I could have. I certainly. Certainly could have what done without f- that. I don't know. That is the very <laughs> definition of force. I don't know Are why. Kid- there was no need for that whatsoever. I don't know why that's in there. Honestly, I, I, oh I mean, it adds God. it adds re- nothing to the movie. It's it's a sweet scene. It's it is. There's a sweetness to it, but I don't it's really a very, think that it's very very forced sweetness to yeah, it. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that it's uh, necessary to. <laughs> To have that scene in there. I was like, oh my god. But I think that it's interesting that you liked the latter part of the movie because that's where it gets a little bit more philosophical when he gets older and starts contemplating life. Well, and... I, for me, I can, I can detect, you know, it's Linkletter's ideas, it's his philosophies and stuff that he sort of injects there. And just because I don't agree with it and they make me laugh a little bit, I'm not going to hold that against him. You know, it's his viewpoint. I'm not going to agree with every film that I see. You know what I mean? And I can't just base it on agrees that I or base it on films that I agree with. You know, they're not going to be just the ones that I like. So I do have to sort of separate mm-hmm. that a little yeah. bit. 
but it, it some of it was it was bad. I just wish that he would employ it a little bit better. It's, it's just, some of it seems really amateurish. What did you think about the the scene where he goes to Austin? I want to go to Austin. <laughs> yeah, I know. I love Austin so much, and I thought I thought that that was a really good scene at, at accurately representing how amazing Austin is. And the other thing is, towards the beginning, I'm kind of... Because, obviously, the only thing I really heard about this movie, outside of unanimous praise, and people calling it a masterpiece, was the performance of, you know, the kid that plays Mason. Is that Ilar? Yeah. Ilar Coltrane? Ilar Coltrane. Everyone's, you know, blowing up about this kid. And through that first portion of the movie, that was kind of rough to get through, I'm thinking... This kid hasn't done anything yet. Like, I feel as though the movie's more about the Samantha character. And then the switch happened. But in the beginning stages, I'm like, this kid's doing nothing. It seems like it's more of Samantha's movie. Like, I'm kind of surprised that no one was talking about... Uh, well, that was, yeah, that was the Samantha. interesting thing. Because she did the same thing that... Right, exactly. <laughs> she did the same thing he did. And that, that was kind of the funny thing. Like, everybody's just... Everybody's talking about this uh, Ilar Coltrane... And but Lorelai Linkletter, Richard Linkletter's daughter, she did the same thing. She was in it for twelve years. She was a little a little girl when this movie started too. I mean, the same can be said about Patricia Arquette and Ethan Hawke, and even yeah. a lot, even a lot of the other like secondary characters. It follows them for years too. Yeah, and it's just I also thought, and I don't know, you know, where I lay with everyone else, but I thought that Lorelai Linkletter's performance was better than uh, a lot of culture. I thought it was better. Mm. So to me, she felt more natural than it, it's, the It's character. tough because really neither of these people are actors. And when they get older, they get awkward. And it feels mm. like... It just feels so awkward. During, during those years when you're like you know, going into adulthood and it's just like, like every conversation they have is awkward and they seem nervous and, you know, so I, it's, it's hard to gauge, but I thought that they're both fine. I thought that LR, just, I thought that he was a better actor when he was little, but that's to be expected. Well, yeah. Cause you, yeah, you don't, you don't have that sense of uh, awareness of right. people judging you and everything. Which fucks everything up. It does. Man. It does. Once you start getting <laughs> soon judged, as, soon as you realize people are capable of judgment and they do it constantly, then you're terrified. So, I did enjoy that sort of that aspect because it does sort of give the film a this quality of where you can't really judge it. You know what I mean? Like if you look at like, it like I th- child, like your own childhood, there's moments where you know things don't go well or shitty, shitty moments in your life that you would like to forget. But, you know, if you do think about it, would you go back and change any of it? For some people, they wouldn't. You know, they love it warts and all. And that's sort of what is captured with this movie at the same time. Of going through 12 years, you know, could he go back and change some of that stuff? Maybe. But you you just want to keep it the way that it was. Right. And and kind of piggybacking on that, it's also an exploration of how your personality changes and evolves. Because at the beginning, these people feel very different. Even Patricia Arquette and Ethan Hawke, they they feel like they've 
their personalities have changed over the years. And with, with, uh, with, um, what's his name? Mason. It's interesting to see how he makes that transition from being just this kind of introverted, uh, quiet first grader to this, uh, introverted quiet uh kid going off to college yeah i I found that uh that experience to be very interesting to watch and it's it's also i mean that goes along with the fact that this is being filmed over 12 years i mean the mason is changing in the movie but eller coltrane is also changing in real life so it's uh it's just a very interesting experiment that i that I really, really enjoyed. I enjoyed it too. I don't, don't, I don't want people to think that I like absolutely hated it. It's just one of those things, you know. We we tend to we tend to play these parts if we don't, you know, if one of us doesn't like a movie, we sort of. I tend to focus on that stuff, and you try and refute it. But I did well, enjoy myself. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's. I just had I had some problems with it. There's uh, you don't have to just like uh, love or hate a movie. I mean, there's. There's middle sections, but I think historically I like movies that explore personalities and character arcs and things like that and relationships between characters and the development of that. And so naturally this is my type of movie. I like coming of age stories. I like seeing people develop over time and that type of thing. And I'm okay with the philosophical discussions and the pop culture references and stuff and a lot of those things are things that kind of irk you and i and i feel like it in a lot of movies that you see uh like cavalry is a recent example like the reason that i like that movie more than you was probably because of the characters and you know and how they developed over the course of the the film would you say that's Uh, fair probably because i didn't think they developed I thought they were caricatures. Yeah. Caricatures. So I think that it's normal to expect me to like boyhood more than well, you. Yeah. I mean that yeah. that I think well, the, and I'm, the I other thing that doesn't I haven't the other thing that doesn't help much is it's no secret that I'm not the biggest fan of Link. Wait, that's that's exactly so, I mean, what I was gonna say. We're you got that going into it. Plus you know me. I'm I'm a big cinematography guy. That's the main thing I want to see in a movie. And with him, I just I there's nothing that I his, like. Yeah, his movies are cameras, camera wise. Visually, there's nothing. Yeah, nothing I like because his movies focus more on the characters rather than the the visual aspects. I mean, nothing, yes. when you when you look back at pretty much every single movie he's ever made, there's never been a strong focus on visuals. In, no, in any of those no. movies it's all about the the character moments and that's that's i'm okay with all that <laughs> like i i loved the the before trilogy or whatever you want to call it i loved all three of those movies dazed and confused is still one of my favorite movies of all time so i still i still like that one i'm still a fan of Daisy. <laughs> oh you like bernie too. I like that. I, yeah i did like bernie i liked bernie I, yeah, I like I Richard Linklater. I don't. I don't want out and out hate the guy. I mean, right. one thing, whether you like him or hate him, one thing that you can't deny is that he's always trying new things. He's always trying yeah, to. I would, I would definitely give him come that. up with new ideas. I mean, 
I don't know if he's the first person to do the the waking life, you know, filming everything and then painting over top of it or animating over top of it in that style. But I feel like after Waking Life came out, do you remember that for like a for a little bit of time there, like everything was done in that animation style? And it's just like, holy shit, what did he start here? So it's, I, yeah, you, there's no denying that. There's no denying that. He's he's definitely a creative mind. And bef- the before midnight and all of those, that was an interesting experiment too, because that that took place over an even longer period of time, and it's I think that you can draw parallels between those movies and boyhood. They're, they're very similar. I mean, they take place over a lengthy period of time and they explore someone's life, yeah. a large yeah. portion of someone's life. And yeah, because it's the same thing as the before trilogy, except that he didn't release them as three separate movies. He held on to them and cut them together. and made one, it's kind of the same experiment, just different, uh, different end right. result but i think seeing everything again seeing everything all together in one movie it was just it was just so incredible to see that to see these characters aging i thought that was just completely fascinating it was like no, nothing i've ever seen before and i loved it i loved it <laughs> fucking loved it kevin fucking loved it okay sorry maybe you need to rewatch this sorry rewatch this at a later time you know, revisit it like a year from now or something and you, see. Don't, don't reevaluate. Don't, t- don't tell me what to do. <laughs> don't, t- <laughs> don't you tell me what to do. Okay. Stop that. All right. All right. No, I mean, don't. Probably, don't it's, revisit it's, it. No, it's probably something that we'll revisit. I don't, I'm not sure when because, I, like I said, I watched it with my wife and um, she hated it. Oh, she's crazy. You're she all just crazy. outright. She outright hated it. It's a crazy house over here. It's a crazy <laughs> house. Yeah, I mean the other the other day we had pancakes and beer for dinner. You know, there you go. Everything's topsy turvy over here. <laughs> so what do you what do you think as far as come awards season? Do you think that this is going to get recognized? Um, I don't. I don't know. It should. It should. Like I said, editing. My God, just hand over all of those awards now. Just mail them. Put them in the mail. Send them over to Sandra Adair because she deserves all of them. Um, everything else, I would, I would imagine they would get some. Well, I mean, if it's definitely going to be if they're still doing like ten nominees. Yeah, for Oscars, if you're doing if you're doing ten nominees for best for best picture, this it's got to be in there. I would hope so, but I can also see this I mean, as one it, that just yeah. slips through the cracks and doesn't get recognized. Yeah, I know, but the other. The other things that uh, that they nominate, come on. I I will <laughs> come on. I'll say this right now: if this doesn't get nominated for some Oscars, I will not be watching the Oscars this year. I'll boycott because there's this is a tr- a truly unique experience, and the way that it was put together was so masterfully done. I don't understand how this can't be recognized if if that is the case. I would agree. There you have it, Boyhood. I'm sticking with a 9 out of 10. Kevin, what are you going to give Boyhood? Oh, man. I don't want to say it. <laughs> do it. Do it. I don't, I don't want to say uh, uh, I'm going with a 7. Oh, that's not that bad. I thought you were going to say like 4.5. <laughs> <laughs> I should have. I should have. Should have been like, it's a 1. 
It's a one. <sighs> Fucking awful. God. All but right. No, I'll go with the seven. Boyhood is playing in theaters now. I think at this point it's pretty much everywhere, but if it's playing in your area, it's... go see it quick because it'll go quick. I am uh, I'm so happy that we finally got it. Yeah. We, we, we waited a long time. We waited so long. Yep. All right. Let's go ahead and talk about some predictions. Let's be cops, which I'm sure will be in theaters 10 times longer than Boyhood. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. And what? This is probably like PG-13? Mm, I think oh, no, it's actually an R. Yeah, I think it's, this is yeah, an R. It's actually, it's actually an R. Okay. What a... Unfortunate what an, uh, what an unfortunate time for the, for a movie called Let's Be Cops to come out. It yeah. seems like this happens every year. It does. There's a movie yeah. that, this, that this happens. It does. It does seem to happen a lot. At least once a year. Uh, so, you said 40. I said 42. Actual 11. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> mm. wow! Yikes! Expendable. I don't. I don't understand this movie. Uh, apparently, not a lot of people do understand it. What is? What is this is the most ridiculous storyline I've That's, ever heard of. It's, yeah, it's terrible. Who thought that this was a good it's idea? Terrible. Who? I ask you. Who? Probably whoever wrote it. I don't know. I don't have that in front of me, but. It's a uh, people. Expendables three. You said fifty-four. I said fifty. Actual thirty-five. Mm. Mm, not not good. Mm. And the giver. You said forty-seven. I said forty-nine. Actual thirty. Thirty. I I did not hear one person. Well, then you, or see one person talk about the. Well, giver. then you need to watch. You need. I, <laughs> you need to watch uh, Sarah Palin's video review of the giver. Are, wait a second. I'm serious. It wait happened. A Please run that by me. Sarah Palin reviewed the movie The Giver. Okay. And it was a video review. Okay. And you can watch it online and it's amazing. Okay. Follow up question. Why? Why did she do this? I don't know. Yes. Is this something that she does often? I don't think so. Because I'm subscribing to that shit. She wanted, I think she wanted to, she probably saw it with her kids or whatever and then thought to herself oh i can use this as uh everyone everyone needs to know what i'm thinking yeah right and now. she she compares it a lot she talks about reagan a lot in the the review and talks oh. about how we're heading towards this future oh, where the government god. controls everything oh and oh my god why do we give her attention Something I've never understood. I don't know the the whole time. So I saw. Uh, oh, I didn't. I didn't mention that when I was doing what we've been watching. I saw Disney's Bears on Blu-ray Bears. this week, and the whole time I just kept saying, "And Sarah Palin killed that one from a helicopter, <laughs> and Sarah Palin killed that one from a helicopter," because it takes place in Alaska. Uh. <laughs> oh, good stuff, yeah, people, right there. Yeah, people are terrible. So apparently, the giver is not, not, not very good. We we always seem to come to that viewpoint with every podcast we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Hmm. Unbelievable. Next week we have Sin City, a Dame to Kill for. What are you thinking on this one? This is an interesting mm. one. This is interesting because I I still stand by my love for the first one. I think that the first one's great. However, I don't know about this one. Like by by watching the trailers yeah. and stuff, I was I would say yeah, it looks awesome. It looks like Sin City. It's still got that 
that gritty, super stylized, you know, comic book feel. But at the same time, I, I don't know. Robert Rodriguez has really been hit or miss lately. And I'm just mm-hmm. wondering if this sequel has come too late, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It does seem, it does seem uh, a bit late. It's been like, it's been <laughs> a really long time since the first one came out. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go 58. Hmm. Uh, oh my goodness. This is, this is tricky. Cause it has a ridiculous number of, um, good people in it too. I'll say, uh, I'll say 62 and hope, 62. hope I'll be happy if it gets that right. around there. Uh, in I think that that's the only wide release next week. Could be wrong, but in limited release we have "If I Stay." Okay. Uh, I don't know. Is that a Chloe Grace Moretz? Is that one with her? Yeah, you are correct. I don't know too much about that. Are you here? Which has a whopping zero percent right now. I don't know. Did, what? I, I don't know if we talked about this on the show. Did you see the trailer for that? No. What is? What is this? It's the one with Owen Wilson and... Oh, no, I did see the trailer for this. This looks awful. It looks so terrible. I don't understand. It's it's written and directed by Matthew Weiner, the guy who created Mad Men. Yeah. But it looks awful. Apparently, uh, movies are more difficult than TV. And it was funny. I got, a, uh, I got a press email about this movie way back, and it was, they couldn't even get the title right. The the <laughs> yes. the title is "Are You Here?" and I get an email, and everywhere on it, it says "You Are Here." <laughs> uh, anyway, fantastic. Also, in limited release, we have "Love Is Strange" with Alfred Molina and John Lithgow. Heard uh, lukewarm things about that out of Sundance. I talked to some people that saw it there, and they were like, "Nah, not that good." Yeah. A little disappointing yeah. from what I hear. Um, the one yeah. I love is getting a limited release. You can see that on on demand, and I do recommend that one. I recommend that one as well. Metro Manila, which I'm not familiar with. We also have Two Night Stand. Oh, I see what they did there. Two That's Night clever. Stand. It's That's it's clever. one more than a one night stand. <laughs> that means double the. Fun. It means double the comedy. Oh man, it's got Miles Teller too. Yeah. You know what that means. Hey, Miles Teller, he's he's solid. He's solid? Yeah. Because he's are you just saying that because he's from PA? I feel as though <laughs> no. you're just saying No, I'm like not. No, I'm not. I'm saying it because us, us PA us PA guys gotta stay together. We do. So that's partially that. But also once you see Whiplash, you'll be like, Okay, yeah, this dude's pretty awesome. Uh the Possession of Michael King, which is a found footage horror movie. That's all you need to I know. I heard it's pretty good, but I am still not interested just yeah. because of yeah. no. found footage horror. Salvo no. and Jersey Shore no. Massacre. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. That, that's real. Yeah, that's a real thing. Jersey Shore Massacre. And I think that the, actually there are people from uh, the show. In don't, it. Or, or don't maybe say, maybe, maybe the... Stop it. One of the Jersey Shore people is like a producer or something. I don't know. Oh, my goodness. Who cares? 
Oh Next week on Video on Demand, we have Rampage Capital Pu- Punishment, which is uh, Uwe Boll directed right. movie. Uh, the first Rampage was actually not too bad, I will admit. For an Uwe Boll movie, that was his his best one by far. Really? Yeah. I thought the other one was really good. Or no, I, would sh- I should say really good. Which one? Uh, what was the last? Oh, uh... It was it was a very very similar plot. It was like a Wall Street. Uh, yeah, yeah. That one yeah. was not yeah. terrible on the Uwe Boll scale, but I think that Ram- Does... Rampage was still probably my favorite. I don't know. It's really hard to to. Does say. he have it? So he has his own scale. Yeah, like his movies are rated. Well, on it's the like when you scale. it's like when you pop in an Uwe Boll movie. It's you set your expectations lower than normal. You you go into it dropping it down a few pegs. Gotcha. I wouldn't say that any of his movies are good. I w- would not say any of them are good by any means, but Rampage and that other one that I can't remember the name of are not terrible. Uh, I just had it. What was it? Assault on Assault Wall Street. Assault on Wall Street. That yeah, that's it. Is that the that's one? It. That's it. He did a th- He did a third in the name of the king? Apparently, yeah, he's he, just how's he how's he do this? He cranks him out. He cranks him out. Well, I did ask him how he does it when we interviewed him, and he he oh that's right that happened yeah, and he does everything himself. So it's he comes up with the financing. He's he uh, ha- owns the production company and the distributor basically. So he's running the show. It's impressive. Yeah, yeah. He's a good businessman. Got to give him that. Uh, Anyway, the Zero Theorem also comes out. Uh, Are You Here? The Prince, To Be To K, and Cam To Cam. What's that? I don't know. What what is that? I don't know. What is that? Sounds like a found footage horror movie. Is it a found footage horror movie of someone watching a found footage horror movie? (laughs) That would be amazing. That's what what we're going to come to. That's that's what's going to happen. It's just going to be found footage on top of found footage. I was in uh, I was in line at a Starbucks at Sundance, and George Takai was in line in front of me, and he ordered a chai latte. <laughs> or no, what did he order? No, he ordered a... No, oh, I think he just ordered a green tea, actually. It's a simple man. And I, I remember thinking, of course that's what he'd order. It's fucking <laughs> George Takai. <laughs> uh, by the way, Cam to Cam. Movie. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure it is. One American green woman in- tea, please. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I said. One green tea, please. Oh God. <laughs> All right. Uh, DVD and Blu-ray next week. Jesus. Jesus. Uh, we have <laughs> the Amazing Spider-Man Two. Fading. <laughs> <laughs> I like how he snuck that in. Yep. There. It will always be snuck in there. Fading Gigolo, <laughs> no interest in that actually. Not really, no. Jarhead Two. <laughs> Why does that make you laugh? Because Jarhead Two. Are you kidding me? Why? Yeah. How did that happen? I don't know. But when the trailer for this first came out, I poked fun at it, and I got some shit in the comments about it. They were like, "Well, how can you judge it if you haven't seen it yet? It's not even out yet." And I'm like, "Come on." Jarhead 2, 
I'm pretty sure I can prejudge that one. Straight to DVD. A straight straight to DVD has nothing to do with the original movie whatsoever. It looks completely different in tone. This one looks like a straight up action movie. And anytime a movie does this where they bank on the the name of yeah. another movie like that, that's not that doesn't yeah, bode well. Because it's it's a that's a giant red flag. Yeah. Because that means that there's nothing in the film. I feel like I want to see this just so I can be like, well, looks like you were wrong, commenter. Right. Told you so. And I'm going to write it. You're going to watch it out of spite. It's going to be a spite watch. Well, I think, I don't know if they offered me a, I I didn't take a a Blu-ray for this. I'm not going to buy it, certainly. So it it won't happen. I'm not going to spend money on it. (laughs) Uh, we also have That's a Only Lovers Left Alive and Ooh. The Quiet Ones and The Sacrament. The Sacrament's right. got a really good cover. I'm not sure if you saw that. Let me, let me, I'll take a look real quick. Well, I wouldn't say sacrament. really. It's a good cover. And I, it's, I swear to God, if it's not good. It's way better than any normal Blu-ray cover. Is it the way, is it the one with the, the, chair. the empty chair? Yeah. It's a good cover. <laughs> kind of did that first, but whatever. Yeah. You did that is that. a pretty that, that is a pretty good cover. I like that. I hated the movie, but I like that cover. Now, if I remember correctly, you didn't hate it. I think that you I've had issues grown, with it. I've I've grown to hate oh, okay. it. Okay. So, right. so you got to remember this. They, these things stay with me, and they they, they develop, they change. They, they they form in the pit of your stomach. They give you like an yeah. ulcer. It's like an ulcer. Get, exactly. Exactly. Hmm. I'm I'm like boyhood over here. With my ratings and such. Okay. It's constantly changing. I got you. Only for 12 years, though. And then, then I lock it in. <laughs> then I lock that shit in. That's where it's at. Uh, so, so next show, we should go back 12 years. <laughs> look at the movies that came out 12 years ago and see see which ones and are locked you will, in. You will finally have my definitive take on that movie. <laughs> it's a process, mm. man. It's a whole process. Interesting. All right, I believe that there's at least one criterion. Oh, you are incorrect. There's two. Oh, two. Well, I said at least two. one, so it was I was correct. Splitting hairs. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Splitting hairs. I still want a list. What what do we got? All right, we got Tie Me Up, Tie Me Down. Talking, we got a whole string of Antonio Banderas going on here. This is... Uh, I never heard of this. this is, I actually, I, I've actually seen this. This is a kind of a bizarre movie, um, <clears throat> because it's Antonio Banderas plays a stalker type who kidnaps a woman and keeps her locked up in his house and tries to force her to fall in love with him. Hmm. So there you go. I feel like we've seen that before, but if it's on Criterion, it's probably it's, one to check out. No, it's not that good. Okay. Uh, <laughs> And then we have. Now, now wait a minute. When did that movie come out? Is it have we surpassed the twelve year mark? Oh, shit. Is it locked in? Oh, yeah, is it, no, not, is yeah. it not very good? Well, no, because I it came out in nineteen ninety. All right, but I didn't see it until like two years ago. Oh, okay, maybe. Oh, or okay. maybe last year. I no, it might have been last year. Uh, we got plenty. So we of got time. at least a decade we got, before yeah. locking that one in. Oh <laughs> man, that's just that's a that's a little nugget for uh, eleven years from now. Check out that podcast. And the other criterion that we have is, oh, wow, you two mama Tom Bien coming out on Criterion. Now, 
which I ne- I've never seen this movie. I, I never saw it either, honestly. It's, I, had, it's, I have no... It's actually that... one of my girlfriend's favorite movies, but really? I have not seen it. Yeah. So it's, this was not it... on Criterion previously? No, no. Hmm. Seems like they're just putting out anything he does. Crone, if that's how you pronounce it. Could be. I mean, any, not the any, pronunciation. I mean, the, <laughs> I was. Refer- I said no, could def- be referring to the movies that's definitely coming out. That's definitely yeah. Well, I yeah. Well, do you think they're gonna put out Gravity? Probably not. No, right? no, no way. There's no way they're gonna give up the rights to that money maker. I don't know. Hand it over to Criterion. Are you kidding me? Maybe like forty years from now. Armageddon was on Criterion. The Rock. That. People got to stop coming back to this, all right? People do things to make money, you know, and sometimes they just don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> people got people got to do things, all right? It's the, that's the moral. Can't be judged. I don't understand how Criterion works with the rights and all that stuff. Like, I, I don't get any of that. I feel as though I could look it up and learn about it. Because it's because I have a, like I have a very like base understanding of what they do. Well, because Criterion is not even they're not even their own company, right? They're not like a standalone company. They're owned by at least because there was Janus Films, right? And then there yep. or maybe that was part of Criterion. And then Criterion is not owned by they're owned by another company. Yeah, it's a uh, it's yeah. really confusing. It's a, it's a, like a, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. That I don't know anything about, so I will not comment. On. Oh, uh, before we sign off, quick plug: there is a our Kickstart Sunday this week is uh, to it's a campaign to help convert Scarecrow Video in Seattle into a nonprofit. Now, if you haven't heard of Scarecrow Video, it is the largest collection of home video uh, home videos in the entire world. It, they have over 121,000 titles. And the, right now, so what they're trying to do is convert their company from a for-profit company to a non-profit company. So that basically this, uh, massive collection of films can be preserved and available to everyone. Nice. So, Go onto our site, follow the, all week we'll have the widget in our sidebar. So make sure you click on that and donate. Uh, they need, they're looking to get a hundred grand, but in like, it was like three days, they got like 90,000. So they're going to hit their goal, but I'm sure that they will have plenty of stretch goals and uh, great things that they'll be able to do if they go over their initial goal. So definitely check that out because people, people don't think about that these days uh, as far as film preservation, especially movies that came to VHS initially, like straight to VHS movies that never, never screened in theaters and never got DVD releases. You know, people don't think about that, that, that these Movies are going to disappear, and we're never going to have them again. But uh, lose them, going to lose them. Yeah, and even if it's a shitty movie, I feel like we should try to preserve every movie we now, can. Now, yeah, I think that's definitely the other thing. Do that. The other thing that's really cool about Scarecrow Video is that it's heavily, heavily curated. So when you go in there, 
they got just amazing. The, the way that it's organized is just amazing. They have like so specific in their, is their it, organization. Is it, is it is it like specific like Netflix? But oh god, correct, yeah. correct, yeah, <laughs> right. Because I love I love the stuff Netflix comes up with. They're great. Netflix Netflix is so it's like an algorithm that gets used. You know, it never Netflix, works. It's, it's just uh, very robotic and systematic. But with Scarecrow Video, it's all done by people that just love movies and love to get them organized and curate them and make sure that they have a good organizational method and everything. So, yeah. Anyway, that's my plug for that. All right. Well, I think that that will wrap it up. Send us your questions to podcast at filmpulse.net. Be sure to answer them on the show. Follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And be sure to rate us on iTunes. We appreciate that very much. For filmpulse.net, my name is Adam. And I am Kevin. And we'll see you on Thursday for Ryan Watches and Your masquerade. I don't want.